Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. This week, the story is about the laughs of Star Wars. They're fun movies, family adventure movies. So what would they be without some genuinely funny lines from hilarious characters? As with any large ensemble, uh, some of the players involved in Star Wars are funnier than others. Um, A few of them, or the moments in which they interact, are funny for the wrong reasons. Uh, (laughs) Before we start listing our, our top six favorite funny moments in Star Wars, allow me to share a joke that's been making the rounds. If Chewie is short for Chewbacca, and R2 is short for R2-D2, and Annie is short for Anakin, what then is Luke short for? Um, a stormtrooper. Oh, <laughs> that's a great joke. I love that joke. I thought it's cute. I saw <laughs> that's it on, awesome. I saw it on Reddit a couple of weeks ago. I, I had mentioned just now, Ross, that uh, uh, some laughs in Star Wars are kind of unintentional from my point of view the jedi are evil is like not supposed to be a funny line but it's like one of the great funny lame lines in the prequels in particular so do you consider stuff like that when you're making this list or or is your list like pure and authentic comedy do you have any accidental humor in your list uh there's no accidental humor on my list no there are some funny things of course like you can do eye roll funny there's groan funny right uh and then yeah there's like in my point of view, the Jedi are evil. And yeah, that's kind of funny. But also in, in actuality, it, it's it's one of those great moments of reasonable behavior from uh, a very, like, like a 22-year-old war hero sure. who is like had billions of people across the galaxy stroking his ego. And then Obi-Wan's response of, well, then you are lost, <laughs> like you, you <laughs> friggin' idiot. That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Um, so no, but I thought there was uh, enough uh, good bits of subtle humor. And uh, I think when Star Wars tries too hard to be funny, it misses. And when it does its best to just incorporate that humor within the DNA, uh, Taika Waititi said it extremely well. I'm trying to remember how he said it on Gallery from kind of the behind the scenes for Mandalorian. It was that... Uh, Star Wars is serious, but it doesn't take itself seriously. I think that's what he said. And I think that's a great way of putting it is yeah. the fact, or it's, or even the vice versa. It all depended on uh, your point of view in which how you want to look at that phrase. But it, it, it's, it's like life. And if you look at things with kind of a bit of a, of a humorous lens to it, you can find humor in some intense situation is it is star wars these are wars that are occurring and so to have too much humor uh is crass but also you need humor to to keep you engaged and to it's the dna star wars from the very very beginning with 3po and r2 you're absolutely right like very few instances in star wars where a zany thing happens the circumstances is really never funny like nobody gets like a plate of spaghetti on their head um but uh, there's some stuff with that with like 3PO in Attack of the Clones, for example. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a yeah. Like that's but it like but it fails. Slapstick and it yeah. fails. And Jar Jar, bunch of slapstick. Fails. Right. I have some thoughts about Jar Jar and and his comedic uh, um, offering to Star Wars. That's going to come up later in my list. I actually found this to be incredibly challenging, um, especially like just in. I mean, you broke down a few different versions of what makes for a funny moment uh, just now, and so I guess we're 
we're, I have a feeling we're not going to have a lot of overlap in our lists, um, okay. but but maybe I'm completely wrong. So uh, why don't you kick it off with your number six, your sixth favorite laugh in Star Wars? Uh, my sixth favorite laugh in Star Wars uh, comes from two characters, uh, but one who can speak and uh, one who does so much with just little beeps. Uh, and that would be the back and forth between BB-8 and Finn aboard the Millennium Falcon as... BB-8's realizing, okay, what level of information am I going to allow this guy to get away with? Uh, how much should I trust him? Uh, am I, how deep am I going to go in this lie with him? Ray was the one who found me and saved me. Okay, fine, we'll go with this. And then the little lighter thumbs up. Uh, it's just, it's a fun exchange. It really strikes the heart of Star Wars humor. Uh, you have a cute boyfriend around it, and you have droid please around it two things that are a little bit of a kind of attempts and whiffs at Star Wars humor, whereas this is a beautiful example of just that natural blended blended in with the story. It made sense. It worked. Uh, and the droid, I mean, never underestimate a droid. A uh, good line from Rise of Skywalker in that regard, because it's true, BB-8 carries so much personality in just the kind of the back and forth and the, the little chortles and uh, and sounds that he makes. So this was uh, certainly a good laugh for me. Yeah, this might be a little controversial, but BB-8 does the impossible, which is actually replaces R2-D2. Like, it, it should not be so seamless that you actually don't miss R2 that much in the sequels. Maybe you just have, like, bigger fish to fry. But, like, he is a fine replacement for that character because he has the same kind of energy but he's even like a little bit cuter he's even more of like a a dog yeah i would definitely agree i wouldn't say a replacement uh in the same way that like if you're trying to align up the way that different characters can replace each other in the role that they play in the in the trilogy like the same way that you have like your political figures uh, whether it's going to be Poe or Leia in the sequels, and it's right. clearly Leia in the originals, and Padme in the prequels, and so like I don't think it necessarily like yes he slots in so seamlessly as as R two's replacement there, but in that same way R two is much grumpier. R two is the one who is complaining about everybody else's presence and uh, just not like just ain't got time for their shit. Let me save the day. Whereas BB eight's a little bit more. Uh, innocent and yeah. yes, like you said, BB-8 is more like a golden retriever uh, than R2 would be, whereas R2 would be more like a, a hound dog or a German shepherd, something with a with a, maybe maybe a, a knowing a little bit more of what's going on. And so I, I think that, that that really works. BB-8, yes, is is super cute, and this is the scene that cements that. Are you aware that some people interpret that uh, lighter thumbs up as a middle finger? <laughs> Uh, probably at some point, but you got to try and filter out some of the, the stupidity. I agree. It's that's wrong. That's, that's a complete <laughs> misread on the tone of the character. And like you just yes. said, he's clearly innocent and it's a positive exchange, but I, th I that think that would be a, I was going to say that would be a great, um, Easter egg for interpretation if it was R2, because yeah. you could maybe, uh, you could maybe think he was doing the middle finger, but you're right for BB-8. No, this is a pretty good uh, transition for my number six because it's also Force Awakens also involves uh, Funny Man Finn, who's hilarious. That's not how the Force works. People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the Force. 
That's not how the force works. And I think in, in making episode seven, they made a concerted effort uh, in particular to make it funny. Uh, I think probably because one of the criticisms and aptly uh, of the prequels is that they're probably not funny enough. There's some laughs in the prequels, not mm -hmm. quite enough. Uh, and Han has always been one of the funniest people in Star Wars. And then Finn is brought in to be like young funny uh, to offset Rey, who of course is funny too, but she's by and large pretty self-serious. Uh, so when you pair up uh, old funny, new funny, uh, Han and Finn, you get a lot of laughs. And then to have Han defend comedically what we, the audience, have known to be true for decades, which is you know what the Force means, what, how it works, uh, is a great turn for his character. Uh, the exchange, I think, tells you a lot about both characters and the franchise, and it just lands as a great comedic delivery like the exasperation of it it's it, it's kind of heroic but also ragtag and uh it's one of the great uh sequel moments actually yeah it really is it's phenomenal delivery uh love this line it's just this line cuts me now oh yeah uh, i yeah. i kind of i love it but i hate it because it's said to finn and then he goes on in the rise of skywalker and just every goddamn line that's not how the force works right it's a feeling oh all these stormtroopers we just had a feeling we dropped our blasters so your entire company has the force because that's not how the force works you're right yeah. <laughs> and so that's one thing where it's like it's it's so on the nose with contradicting itself two movies later it's it's like finn just says like we'll use the force that's how we'll know where ray is he does that the entire Rise of Skywalker. Mm. And yes, that's not how the Force works, but the Rise of Skywalker also implies it beyond Finn's capabilities. So that one does kind of bother me now, but is fantastic and is so great for tying back to Han, even with what he just said before, like, oh, mumbo jumbo, uh, and it's all true. And then going back to, of course, his original speech of the Falcon. To be fair, they never actually commit to Finn having the Force, so... We're kind of filling in blanks there. I mean, obviously, that's what they're going for. They commit to it in the holiday special. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. That's that's where they want to insert all that important character detail in the Lego holiday yeah. special. Finn will get his due. Episode 10 and 11 will be when Finn gets his due. It'll be it'll take a long time. And when people see it, it'll be like, well, that was long overdue. But the character's got too much potential still left there. So I'm sure we'll see it. You said that a lot lately. You're really sold on on Boyega coming back. He, he has to. There's it's just I've watched that uh, trilogy a couple times now recently. And there's Poe's arc is complete. Uh, he gets away with uh, war crimes from The Last Jedi. Uh, he, he has a good wrap-up in The Rise of Skywalker. Rey has a, a, a really great arc that is finished, um, but that doesn't mean that you can't kind of restart it again in certain ways. Uh, she needs to learn how to teach the same way that Luke struggled to learn how to teach in that same capacity. And so we need to have a, a Finn kind of take the reins there it just makes too much sense and uh, also people will want it and then you'll get another generation and continue on okay it's your turn for number five my number five is actually one that you definitely don't know and this one would be uh anakin obi-wan and dooku escaping imprisonment from uh, the pirate hondo onaka and so hondo has uh, captured all of them 
uh, he has captured Dooku because I believe Dooku crash landed. Uh, and then he realized that he was the rich Count Dooku and Hondo decided to imprison him. Uh, and in terms of selling him over to the Republic, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan uh, arrived to try and capture Dooku. And then also, of course, get captured as well, because why not sell off the Jedi back to the Republic and then also sell Count Dooku to the Republic? And so Hondo is voiced by Jim Cummings, who does the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, sure. Uh, Hondo is uh, he's one of the guides of Galaxy's Edge. He's a big animatronic there. Uh, he is the funniest character in Star Wars. He's the funniest natural. He's the the naturally funniest character in Star Wars. Wow. I've got a couple good honorable mentions. Uh, and this is, I, I think, my favorite one is the sequence when the three of them uh, get imprisoned and Hondo's just doing business and he absolutely loves Kenobi. He thinks Kenobi is just one of the best. He keeps referring to him as his friend uh, and it's just like, as soon as you guys get me the money, we'll be back to being friends and everything will be great. Uh, and then just the banter back and forth between Anakin, Dooku, and Obi-Wan as they're escaping and they're on the same side trying to break out. But of course they're not on the same side. Anakin's giving uh, Obi-Wan shit for following a Sith Lord. And uh, uh, Dooku's getting like, just getting mad at Obi-Wan for how much Anakin's talking. And it's just a bunch of great banter back and forth. Uh, it's the kind of banter that you uh, really expect to see more of in the prequels that you don't get to mm. see so it's that the the subtle subtly in intertwined within dialogue parts of, of humor as opposed to kind of in your face slapstick so it's, it's really great it's executed really well yeah what little bits of the clone wars i've actually seen they they really go for like uh, uh like a theatrical almost uh yeah like like a theatrical dialogue heavy version of comedy uh, which I mean, I don't know what other options they'd have, and and they're not. It's not aggressively funny because they're trying to retain the tone of the the prequels, but do them better. But they're so chatty. They're like a really. It's a really chatty animated TV series, and so it allows for an opportunity to be uh, conversationally funny. And I can't relate Very at witty. all. I, yeah, I can't relate at all to what you're describing, but uh, I believe you. And and I, now I'm suddenly more interested in in this. Hondo, because I didn't know it was Jim Cummings. That's so fun. I didn't know he was ever a voice for Star Wars. Yeah, and he is excellent. There's a, an honorable mention that I'll mention it now, where it's a very, very long battle. Uh, it's the first time I think we meet him. I don't know if it's chronologically or the first time we meet him or the first episode he's in, but it's a long, long, hard-fought battle. And after getting his ass handed to him by Anakin uh, and... Uh, essentially just being uh, losing all capability of enslaving this area uh, and kind of keeping his pirate empire strong there. He just makes a grand announcement that this effort is no longer profitable and that he's just going to leave as, as if like it was his decision all along that he's just going to leave. Uh, and he's really got great execution and delivery on his lines. So uh, I'm excited for you to uh, meet him when he comes into live action because there's a slam dunk chance that he will. There's no reason to not. Great. Can't wait. Uh, my number five is kind of a running joke, and it's just the constant uh, ragging uh, on the Falcon, just constantly calling it uh, just a piece of trash, whether it's initially, of course, Luke calls it uh, a piece of junk when he first sees it later on in the same movie. Leia says something to the effect of, you came here on that thing, you're braver than I thought. Uh, and then, of course, we kind of 
come full circle at the beginning of The Force Awakens when they reveal the Falcon. Ray calls it garbage twice before we actually get to see it in frame. I mean, it's the most iconic and beloved spaceship in like the history of science fiction, at least top two. <laughs> and so... Yeah, it's either that or the Enterprise, yeah, the depending Enterprise. on what your favorite... Yeah. Exactly. So it, it's inarguably... Or the Death Star. Yeah, if you want to call it a spaceship, um, space station. I mean, it's inarguably cool and so it actually it never even occurs to us that in universe it actually looks like a beater because to us it just looks very cool to the degree that when it does look more like a sports car in solo it looks wrong you're kind of like oh i'm not sure that's exactly what i like about it and so this constant disrespect of the millennium falcon always sets up that it's about to do something surprisingly rad something stupendous that actually kind of like takes the heroes by surprise uh, because they they underestimated it. And I, I'm not sure why I find it so funny when people uh, rag on the Falcon, but I think it's like a backwards celebration of the Falcon when they do that. And and so so I always 100%. find that amusing. And they do a great job of it with in Solo in terms sure. of it getting just absolutely rode off towards the end. And it is our favorite hunk of junk in the sky. Um, and, uh, even like when I liked, I love Finn's line in the last Jedi, they hate that ship Yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, it's the bane of everyone's existence, whether it's the bane of Han's existence because it breaks constantly, uh, Leia's because it's Han's number one true love, yeah. uh, or whether it's the empire because it ultimately always slips through their fingers, but, uh, it is so fast and uh it's one of those other things like many of our characters it is meant to be underrated right you're right it's emblematic of the underdog nature that always permeates heroism in star wars yeah yeah i mean even the x-wings they are junkier looking than tie fighters tie fighters are sleek yeah sleek as hell the black and the like the paint job on everything Imperial is much better than rebel paint jobs. And so yeah, it makes, it makes lots of sense. And Luke definitely sets a great tone at the beginning. <laughs> what a piece of junk. Okay. Uh, your turn for number five. Uh, number four, number four. Yes. Uh, number four would be R2 trying his best aboard the invisible hand. And so this would be when Anakin is defending R2's best efforts. Uh, when Obi-Wan isn't saying anything, I didn't say anything. What was that all about? Well, R2 has been no uh, wire jokes. Did I say anything? He's trying. I didn't say anything. There's just great banter between Anakin and Obi-Wan here, uh, but having it resemble around R2D2 who's flailing around, burning battle droids, uh, but with his oil leaks and uh, sending elevators in directions at just rapid speed. Uh, I think this is uh, a really fun sequence, and uh, I think it's a, it shows a great display of Anakin and Obi-Wan's uh, brotherly humor and banter back and forth. Yeah, and obviously that's the, the primary comedy in the prequels. Is there any, are there any like genuinely good, funny moments in The Phantom Menace? I'm trying to think like there's a lot of like unintentional funny stuff in the Phantom Menace, but I can't think of like any well-crafted jokes in that movie. Um, there are not well-crafted. There are some okay jokes regarding Jar Jar. Yeah. Some not necessarily um, like the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Yeah. That's funny. Um, but 
Jar Jar isn't funny. And they really jammed all the humor into that character. Um, right. Qui-Gon's got, he has a couple lines that are, are dry, funny, but that that's one of the big things that people didn't like about the Phantom Menace is yep. that it just felt so too dry. Wooden, I mean, like there's always wooden a, and, sla- and slapsticky. There's always a bigger fish has obviously got like a bit of a hint of, yeah. of dryness to it. Um, you were right, Master. The negotiations were short. It's kind of funny, but it's yeah. But it's very. I, I political. love the expression on his face too. He says it well, but it's it's not a joke that really lands for young people. I don't think it just kind of sounds like no. jargon, right? Yeah, and great. It's really great delivery that allows for it to be a little bit cheekier than even maybe it would be on the page. So you're you're obviously a very big fan of the rapport between adult Anakin and his master Obi Wan. Yes, I love the rapport between the two of them. And I love the rapport between Anakin and R2 as well. Uh, I think that that's, uh, and they do such a good job hammering that home in the Clone Wars. Uh, It's so, it's just a strong part of Luke and R2's relationship in the original trilogy. But I think it's maybe a little undersold R2 and Anakin in the prequels. Uh, And I think it's such an important angle that they had uh, such a long relationship as well. Uh, and also, I mean, 3PO uh, has had such a long relationship as well. He has his memory wipe too, but it uh, it really kind of develops these things out and showing the mirroring that uh, the the boy, the farm boy, uh, or the slave boy, and and the two droids that uh, he interacts with on his journey to heroism. I mean, the fact is, nobody really does their worst acting with the droids because it is supposed to be robotic. Like it, you kind of come to life as an actor when you're acting off something that's not alive you get to kind of own the humanity of the scene um and so not a lot of actors would say that though who worked in the prequels maybe not but we've said a lot about how natalie portman great actor as she is is not doing her best work in the star wars movies she is pretty good when she's talking to like 3po or r2 briefly she's fine Mm -hmm. and certainly hayden christensen uh does well too I will say it also bodes well for his eventual appearance in the Obi-Wan show that he does his best acting uh, uh, alongside Obi-Wan, alongside uh, Ewan McGregor. And so, like, they have chemistry that he did not have with with Padme. And so I think oh, that'd yes. be fun. And, yeah, and the chemistry is, is the huge angle there. I mean, yep. the chemistry of Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver is the whole reason yep. that The Rise of Skywalker is what it is. It's magic. It's, yeah. the, it's the chemistry changed everything for them. I mean, they didn't really have anything that they were set in stone on, so it allowed them to kind of shift that. She, uh, by the way, I also, also think, has a lot of chemistry, though, with Finn. Like, she has chemistry with a lot of people. She does. She's, like, very magnetic and, and a generally charismatic great great actor. Yeah, and I mean, that would actually be an interesting um, angle as well. I mean, the chemistry with Finn and kind of playing along lines with that, with the master-apprentice relationship moving forward. Yeah, be interesting. totally. Um, but I guess kind of going back to just along the, the R2 um, mindset and droids in particular, I think all of this comes down to Anthony Daniels because Anthony Daniels does, and I mean, it's no disrespect to Kenny Baker, but Anthony Daniels does the heavy lifting in giving R2 a lot of the personality that he has, the the lines that are delivered, uh, providing so much life into the the back and forth that they have. And then that provides also the ability for all this droid dialogue to, to have so much life in it as well because of the characterization that we've known these two from from so early on with the 
ridiculous back and forth comedic banter that they have right out of the get-go in A New Hope. And so it sets such a great tone with those two. And it's a fine segue to my number four, which is C-3PO thinking that his friends are dying in the trash compactor in, in episode four. Nice, that's four. an honorable mention for me. Perfect. Uh, it's this, I mean, it's been well established up, up to this point even in the time we've spent with, with 3PO that his entire existence is just this array of, of different degrees of panic and anxiety at all times. Uh, and even though he's intellectually smarter than anybody, I guess, um, his paranoia often gets the best of him. He can't see the bigger picture. He's just It's just very funny to contrast our heroes cheering with elation and relief that they're not dead against 3PO, thinking that their they're screams of being brutally killed. You can also kind of see it from his perspective. Like you've been on the end, other end of a phone call where the room is noisy and it just sounds like chaos and you can't make heads or tails of what is happening. Uh, but so this is just so something that would happen to 3PO. And I think characters are probably at their funniest when uh, when they're truest to themselves and and things you would expect for those characters are in fact happening for those characters. And it's it's a it's one of the great 3PO moments. Oh, absolutely. And he has so many. Uh, and I mean, he is he is my honorable mentions list. Uh, I mean, just everything bloody about him, every insult that he gives any character. Uh, he is just, he's so, he's so defensive because he's, like you said, he's so paranoid and scared of the world around him um, that it just makes for really fantastic banter leading up to that point. And then also the fact that how quickly he's taken to Luke as his new master and the fact that protocol dictates that, he's going to be devastated when his master is crushed and it's his fault yeah. in particular that it's his fault because he knows that that goes against his protocol and programming that he didn't do his job right. Well, and, and by the way, the scariest thing to Prepio. Can we just like mention what a stroke of genius it is to create a kind of droid that is, is designed for practicality and yet he's governed completely by emotions like that in <laughs> yeah. and of itself is, is such great a great it's a great a comedic premise just the very existence of 3PO is a stroke of comedic brilliance and so i think that that kind of where 3PO can occasionally be frustrating it's easy to forget what a great idea he is oh absolutely yeah he's it's the off switch is is so necessary yeah. on 3PO but it's because like you said he has so much emotion but he knows so much and so it's such conflict uh, for him because he needs to express the fear and tell you the odds, despite that not helping and ultimately making the odds worse. Right. Yeah, he's the best. Okay, it's your turn for number three. We're motoring. Uh, my number three is one that wouldn't shock me if you had uh, a little bit higher, uh, but I have the the echo base banter. I have uh, the the back and forth between Han and Leia. Uh, and so it is the, the the full extent. There's so much you can include within there, uh, whether that is scruffy looking nerf herder, who's scruffy looking, should have seen us in the South Passage, um, laser brain. It, it it doesn't matter. The the full uh, back and forth, uh, the rom com of it all. Uh, it is uh, the best bits of romance and the best bits uh some of the best bits of comedy uh, in all of star wars it definitely sets the tone for the best bits of uh natural flowing star wars comedic dialogue it's the it's the pinnacle that you're always looking to achieve for the 
not necessarily laughs per laughs per word, but uh, little huh, per word or chuckles per word or little smiles per word that you're going to get out of it. It doesn't need to make your roar laughing, but it's all very, very funny. Yeah, it's again, it's witty banter that builds upon itself really effectively. Yeah, this is my number three as well, except I wanted to... Oh, perfect. I wanted to uh, maybe highlight something about it in particular that, because we've had lots of discussions uh, on this format of the podcast about this scene in particular, something we haven't actually uh, looked at too closely is Luke's component. And in particular, when he puts his hands behind his head after Leia kisses him on Hoth, which of course she's only done to spite Han, and maybe that is kind of not registered with Luke. No. Uh, <laughs> like obviously the whole verbal energy of the scene leading up to this is great. Um, but I think we have to give give Luke a, a lot of credit here. He pulls off Mark Hamill, who is funny, pulls off physical comedy. You don't get a lot of physical comedy in Star Wars, uh, but it's just, I, I I think that it I think that it's funny here. Um, and like, like I said, it's all the more comical when you consider the nuance of the fact that he doesn't really realize that this, that this like steamy kiss that he's being smug about is from his sister. <laughs> so it completely <laughs> deflates the steam from it. Having said it's that. It's also just like a, it's like a very, very firm peck. <laughs> no, it definitely is. But the other thing is like, it's kind of a role reversal because not too often does he get the uh, upper hand over Han in terms of cockiness. And he's kind of serving Han a taste of his own medicine here. And I find it really funny. Yeah, no, it is an excellent part to it. If you made me pick my favorite part, it would be when uh, Han does the finger point, the ha, 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 ha. Oh, me <laughs> yeah, too. It's Definitely. just like, he can't even figure out the words to say. It's just like, <laughs> hey, cause oh, the way you feel about me. And he's, he's just being good old classic Han Solo. Uh, and she can't figure out the words either. No, yeah, it's it's a perfect scene. Wouldn't wouldn't change a word about it. Okay, uh, I guess it's your turn again for number two. Uh, my number two uh, sticks with good old Han Solo, uh, but this one's a bit more of a boring conversation anyway. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, I had a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? We're sending a squad up. Uh, uh, negative, negative. We have a, a reactor leak here uh, now. Give us a few minutes to lock it down. Uh, large leak, very dangerous. Who is this? What's your operating number? Uh, boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're gonna have company! Every excuse he can possibly come up with. He's wearing the, the stormtrooper uniform, decides last minute, uh, fuck it, I, I did not do a good job at this at all. They're on their way up here and just blast the control panel. And then... We're about to get company. It's it's great. It's it's a, a great scene. It's the funniest scene in, in A New Hope. And uh, it really, this is after he's made it very clear he is in this just for the money. And then even in his kind of tone here, he knows that, okay, maybe this wasn't even worth it for the money. <laughs> right. So this is, uh, this is not going the way he wants. Well, and this comes back to what I was saying before about, about 3PO being in a situation that is exactly something that would happen to him like we have learned that han is a guy who likes to at least position himself as someone who can handle all circumstances as they come mm -hmm. at him uh but also he seems to get kind of cornered into a lot of shitty situations doesn't he? he finds himself in trouble an awful lot and so like it's not my fault right and so when we see him get frazzled we're like ah, oh, of course this would happen to han and and this is the worst case of that and so it's especially funny um, and he, like you said, he does come up with a solution where he just, he, 
He uh, is sick of getting the third degree from this Imperial intercom and just blasts it because it's a boring conversation anyway. And and by the way, um, this was my number one. By the way, this is my this is my number one on the list. And so oh, I, it is. That's why, okay. I, that's why I've thought of these uh, observations about it. Like, how many times have you been on a phone call or in a Zoom meeting where you're like, "This is a boring conversation. Can I just like blast my way out of this conversation?" <laughs> there's oh, also it be nice? there's also something funny because it's it's. It's actually not an act of aggression, right? Like it's not it's not the same as Indiana Jones choosing not to to engage with this fool and just shooting him dead in the dusty streets. He's just shooting a computer. He's just freeing himself from from oh, yeah. the anguish. It's embarrassment and frustration completely with himself. It's got nothing to do with the the oh, I ain't got time. I'm too cool for this. It's Shit, I don't, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, yeah. This is one Let's of the make moments. Make this more than a slight weapons malfunction. It it really solidifies Harrison Ford as having the full movie star package that he has this comedic sensibility. Oh, yeah. And I think maybe like he probably can be grumpy in real life, but I think over the years he developed this reputation for being a real grump. And I don't know if that's true. I just think he is very dry and probably yeah. a little grumpy. He's dry. Yeah, dry, shy, and grumpy. Yeah, uh, and there's nothing wrong with being those things. No. And uh, especially if you're just when you're that famous, you're going to have a lot of interactions with people, and people are going to make their own minds up as to what those interactions were, even if it was just a, a shy guy who knows a hell of a lot less about you than you know about him. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like I said. It's I think it's the funniest, the most genuinely hilarious moment to happen in Star Wars. I can, uh, I think it would normally be your turn. Can I go? First, can I go next so that you can end yeah, on you your, your number one? Yeah, you're number two, and then I'll have my number one. Right, okay. So my number two, uh, again, is kind of broad, uh, and it's when Yoda meets R2-D2 in particular in Dagobah. It's my uh, number one. Oh, okay, wow. <laughs> we just had reversed Perfect. one and two. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, just the the scene essentially, uh, this does all the legwork in establishing Yoda as a comedic character because it's easy to forget other than this first wacky sequence of his he doesn't do a ton of of comedy. He's like light and you feel safe with him. But beyond his first introduction, he's mostly, we're just kind of like starting to whittle him down from being literally a Muppet. And so that's why he's kind of wacky here in this in this first scene. But his interacting with the other tiny diminutive character who doesn't understand him at all. And we really don't understand either one of them, but we still love them because they're wacky. Um, great, great dynamic between our two and and crazy yoda oh yeah it's awesome and i absolutely love the fact that right at, I, I particularly love that he goes after his food he goes yeah. after luke's food that's what i like i like in particular even more than him going after uh r2 is his indignance to luke and uh mine or i will help you not with the with the lamp and how he's just so like dead set like oh this looks kind of like my lightsaber i'm gonna take the lamp mm. <laughs> And uh, it, it, and then later on when he offers him up like the root leaf stew, uh, but just everything he's doing with his craziness that he's just trying to get on Luke's nerves with, it's he's just executing it so well. Uh, yes, he's been alone and crazy for so long, and so there's a level of it that is just he's kind of forgotten how to be around people, uh, and. He's just been off kooky on Dagobah himself, but he's also really pushing a kid's patience who's not very patient. And uh, <laughs> R2 
knows kind of what's going on. R2 knows who Yoda is, and we don't really, there's not a good explanation. I, I believe in the new, a certain point of view, um, that we, we get to see this scene, uh, and I know Yoda is doing it from a, he's trying to, to test the situation, but I don't know what R2's point of view is on this and, and how he interprets Yoda being absolutely bonkers yeah or if he thinks that maybe it's uh just a different being and like there's no way maybe he just looks like master yoda he's way too crazy to be master yoda um but yeah because then pretty quickly after he becomes the the cerebral yoda we know and so it adds extra humor when you watch this knowing how calm this character can be or if you watch him in the prequels and then watch him here it's just it just makes you laugh every time he shows up on the screen and acts like a buffoon. And this is why I wanted to bring up Jar Jar because very clearly this is what they were going for. And in particular, like the kid humor of, of annoying wacky Yoda. Um, they were trying to reestablish that with Jar Jar. And I just don't think that Jar Jar pulls it off. The idea is he's just no. this like kind of kooky character who talks really silly and he's clumsy or he makes a mess or he's kind of irritating to the heroes. And like, that's so that's such a finite portion of what Yoda is. And he becomes so much more. And we could talk until we're blue in the face about whether or not Jar Jar was supposed to be developed into something much more than that. But um, ultimately he's just kind of frozen in time as nothing, but the, 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 the artifice, the superficial components of yeah, annoying, card, annoying humor. cartoon character. Exactly. And so, Basically, Yoda is here what Jar Jar could never be, um, and it's just a funny, funny sequence. It really is. All right. So those are our those are our favorite funny moments from Star Wars. That was kind of an interesting discussion. It, it, it I guess, overlapped a little more than I expected. Yeah, I've got a, a bunch of honorable mentions okay. uh, that are good ones. Uh, there's Han and Chewie's shower together in Solo. That's a great little sure. moment. Yeah. Um, Luke uh, levitating 3PO uh, over the Ewoks and then them losing their shit. <laughs> okay. That's a fun little moment. Yeah. All the Ewok stuff. There is some some Ewok comedy for sure. Yeah. Um, there's uh, when uh, Chirrut gets the bag, the bag put over his head. Are you kidding me? I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. That's a good one. Uh, and then there's a bunch of 3PO and Rise of Skywalker stuff uh, when they give him a dirty look and he turns around as if like it must be something behind him that they're all looking at. Uh, when Poe says he doesn't want to know what made the size of the what made the shape of the tunnels the way that they were. Uh, he's got like like the things that you've told me. Uh, is it is Ben Schwartz who punched up the dialogue of yeah. uh, 3PO and Pisana? Yeah. And so you can really tell because there are some some really good humor points there. Uh, when Ray reaches out uh, on Octo and then Luke like literally smacks her in the hand with the with the palm frond. Brush, yeah. Um, and then there's a couple great Mando ones. There's oh, okay. when Mando's picking off the Jawas uh, who have uh, ransacked his ship, and uh, Grogu's watching over, and he's like, "Oh, this is cool." Wow, um, I never thought about Grogu as an outlet for comedy in Star in Star Wars, but you're so. I mean, he's. Oh yeah, there's some cute. Great ones. Cute can be a pretty easy avenue towards funny, and you're so right. Yeah, it was tough for me because I, 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 I could have in theory, and I probably should have used a Grogu in there, um, because the macaron sequence just... from this past season, the macaron yeah. was oh. so funny. Yeah, and you know maybe that one would have made my list. I kind of that one's not on my honorable mentions. I forgot about that one, but that one actually probably would. Uh, there's the of course the soup drinking sequence. Yeah. 
as well. That one's adorable and also quite funny. Um, do the magic hand thing. Um, <laughs> that one's a great one from Grief Karga. And um, also when he's trying to fix the ship <laughs> and uh, Mando's instructing him what to do it and the, where the wires go and then he does that little cough. So yeah, Grogu is definitely a great source for uh, that different different kind of humor. And so I guess it was kind of just clumping them all together. But the the cuteness, uh, if, the, if we did a top six cute moments in Star Wars, I guess there'd be no point in that because he'd take the full list. So yeah, this was probably where I could have given him a little bit of credit. But we give Grogu lots of credit. Oh, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> well, listen, we want to see uh, other people's ideas for what they think is most funny in Star Wars. It's, I mean, they're not, they're not comedies, right? They're not like laugh out loud, no. like gut busting hilarious, but we all find different things in these movies to make us gently exhale through our nostrils. And so uh, let us know if we forgot any, uh, send us an email or a tweet or whatever. Are we good? Do you want to move on to the news? Yeah, sure. There's plenty in the news. Okay. Uh, we didn't do a podcast uh, last week, so... Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but just confirmation that the, yes, the visuals guide for uh, Mandalorian was being canceled, but also the novel that was associated with it was oh. also canceled. Uh, so that provides extra kind of background knowledge on Mando. And so we're not going to get that through a novel, which is a great thing because that means the original creator of the story will have the option to tell that as opposed to preemptively telling that through a medium that would potentially get retconned if, someone of a higher stature decided they wanted right. to. So yeah. this is the way you go about it. Fill in the blanks later if there are blanks. Don't just decide we'll fill in the blanks as we go with these other mediums. And then that will allow us like scapegoat opportunities. There so also just doesn't need a really good thing. There doesn't need to be a novelization of The Mandalorian. Like I get that the movies have novelizations. That's tradition. And it's a it's an it, opportunity. It's an original to, story. It's an opportunity. Okay, but like even still, like you have, we have a place where we're fleshing out that world. Like if you want to read a Star Wars book, you've got hundreds of options. Like it doesn't have to be Mando, right? Yep. So yeah. Yep. And that's, and that's why they're building out the High Republic. And that's because they came up with issues like this. And I think this will result in them um, not jumping the gun too much moving forward, which is the right way to go about it. So that's good. Okay. Uh, Bob Chappick confirms that Kathleen Kennedy's still going to be helming Star Wars for the long term. Um, doesn't know like specific information, but he did respond to uh, just the number of people who bring that shit up. Uh, and he just said how happy they were and that it was just implied that they want her for the long term more than the short, the short term. And so she's on a contract that's for a few more years. Wouldn't surprise me if they even did another one beyond that. So yeah, there were a couple issues in the first few years, but uh, she was picked by Lucas and things are going pretty damn well right now. Yeah, so let the best one of, if not the best producer of all time, do her job. Don't let the hate nerds win. Yeah, exactly. But that it was just kind of a weird one that it even got to the point where he would answer a question like that. But yeah. oh well. Also, and an interesting kind of, well, Disney specific, and that would be that Disney Plus is adding a lot of Star Wars content. So we're getting Ewoks season one, Ewoks season two, uh, the story of the faithful Wookiee, Ewoks, the battle for Endor, uh, Caravan of Courage, and the Clone Wars volume one and volume two, uh, the Tartakovsky uh, short uh, comic cartoons. What are those and things? So, I've never heard of these things before. Uh, the Clone Wars ones? I, I don't. Or I don't, any of these. I don't think I've heard of any of those. 
most of these are 80s uh, low budget uh, Star Wars offshoots. Like Saturday morning uh, cartoons? Uh, some are some are Saturday morning cartoons, uh, like the Ewok movies and whatnot, um, like the Battle for Endor. That's not Carry on a Courage. Uh, like, I don't think they were in the theaters, but they were maybe like straight to VHS, and they they're like okay. Willow, but maybe not quite Willow level. Um, yeah, not quite Willow level either, but they're lower end Star Wars. They were the first attempts to branch out and. They're closer to the holiday special than they are to um, maybe any other media and maybe okay. any other part of Star Wars. Okay. Um, but it could be They're fun. not really accessible, so I don't know a ton about them. Right. Uh, I've seen, of course, visuals from, from all of them, but this is very much for the people who grew up on them and will want to watch them like once, <laughs> probably. But yeah. it's cool to have them there. The Clone Wars ones uh, are not ones that particularly speak a whole lot to me. I think that they're definitely inferior to the show, but these are very different. They're much more like a, um, they're done by the same creators as uh, Samurai Jack. Oh. And so they have that sort of uh, Oh, I've seen, I've seen that artwork before, yeah. Exactly. They were shorts. They were more so like comics come to life. And they were done in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So they did provide context for people who who were waiting for revenge of the sith and so a lot of people developed a love for them because of the timing in which they were released were it was great for star wars fans so that's good that those are going to be accessible uh and i will probably watch all of those and I'll, I'll probably watch all of these at some point maybe not the ewok seasons i don't know how long those are but uh the movies i'm sure i'll i'll give those each a go or something and not expect much, but have a have a fun time watching them. I wonder if the if the Ewok show is anything like. Are you aware of the Back to the Future TV series, like the animated series? Uh, not a whole lot, but probably it, it's it's absolutely uh, akin to that approach in terms of trying to monetize uh, a big franchise in any way you can. Or like, are, are, do you know the Legend of Zelda animated series? I don't know that. No, it's a travesty. It's just a travesty. <laughs> it's so tonally wrong. But like, I just wonder if it's going to be like that and just kind of an interesting relic. Oh yeah, it's absolutely a, a relic that uh, was left out of canon correctly. Uh, but it will be a great thing for people who grew up with them uh, to be able to to see again uh, in a in accessible way. That's not VHS right. or Betamax or whatever it was probably released on. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but also conveniently at a similar time, uh, one of the characters who was not part of the clone wars TV show was not part of revenge of the Sith, but was part of the Tartakovsky clone wars. And that was dirge and dirge is this big, uh, like semi sentient, uh, droid, He's similar to Grievous, but he's a bounty hunter. Oh. Uh, and he he jousts and uh, like on a speeder, he's got like a big like jousting spear for like skewering people. Uh, and he's just kind of a an extreme, a very cartoonish villain. But people people like him. He's got his fans. Uh, and Dirge has been reintroduced to canon uh, through the comics just this like past week and so that's really 
fun timing for the people who have never heard of Dirge. Uh, they can go and see him on the Clone Wars Tartakovsky and they'll be bringing him back in this way. And it would make a lot of sense if he was a character in uh, the Bad Batch or like the Book of Boba Fett or something. And so cool. He's, he's, he's on the, like the peripheral of like Star Wars in terms of like, that's kind of weird for Star Wars, but sometimes that's kind of fun to have characters like that. Right. Yeah, that sounds fun. That sounds cool. Uh, Kevin Feige will only be involved in his project. That's it. Okay. The only other involvement he has in Star Wars is that he he also stays up on uh, the nights that the Mandalorian comes out and watches them at 1215. Super That's fan. the only involvement. Yeah. That I love is, it. He's a super fan. Uh, this clearly points to me that he was making his deal with Disney uh, and it was for Marvel work. It's an add-on. He's a massive fan of Star Wars. It was an add-on. I want to do a Star Wars movie. And they were like, yes, yes, Mr. Foggy, whatever you need. Yeah. Um, and that, that'll be fine. So Just make sure that he plays ball. And I would be shocked if he has any issues with that as a man who knows more about universe building in film than well, anyone. And in particular, he knows about these like serialized uh, big universe stories. And and I've done a deep dive on his IMDb in the past. And he's basically worked on like every Marvel movie, like going back way before the MCU, like his resume. And he did a lot of that. Absolutely. So like multiple decades of working on these movies. Um, what? But has he been a director before? Because he doesn't. I don't think he's directing it. He's not okay. He's just no. I'm pretty but, sure it's, it's it'll be producing. So okay, there are people he said he wants to work with. Um, it, so I don't think it's the five. I don't think it's the Taika Waititi project. Um, but I like uh, early on when people were kind of guessing what it could be. Uh, some people said maybe it's Brie Larson because uh, when he first mentioned that Captain Marvel was coming out, so a lot of people brought that up, and she also mentioned that she's a bananas Star Wars fan and would love to be in it. She auditioned for. Or was it Jim? Yeah, uh, both, actually, yeah. I think. Um, and Samuel L. Jackson, if he were to come back, maybe that's the person he's talked to. Um, and Or maybe... He, so there's, there's so many people in the Marvel Universe that he could want to work with um, that if he just... He's, he's just going to group together uh, and build the project uh, with the right building blocks. And there'll be... Uh, ideally, Favreau and Filoni approved building blocks. Hopefully not Downey, though, eh? Because you did talk about how there was like a little rumor there before Christmas that maybe he'd be getting in the sandbox. And I just don't think that's right. Yeah, that rumor, I think, was based out of um, his relationship with Favreau more than his Feige relationship. Oh, that's a good point. And so yeah. I don't necessarily know if that, but it, it could be. Uh, that could be the person. Um, but also that uh, the point I was I meant to make before was that I, the person very well could be a director who he wants to work with. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it, hell, it could be Peyton Reed and we'd all be like, we all stand up and, and yeah. clap and, and say, oh, you mean the person who just gave us Luke Skywalker again? Yeah. Sure. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? So this, uh, it, it's, it speaks well, but um, it, it likely just means it was an add-on to his contract. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, Star Wars Visions, which is going to be a series of animated short films. And so uh, through like anime creators and it'll have kind of like a different artistic style. Um, there's a novel that's going to be coming out uh, from that kind of Visions line as well. It's going to be called Ronin. Uh, and so 
I looked up specifically what a Ronin is from a samurai perspective, because I know where that's the, that's where the term comes from. Uh, and it's a wanderer uh, and someone who is without a master. So <laughs> it seems pretty clear what this will be about. It'll be either about a Padawan who trains themselves or a Padawan who loses their master before their training is complete and has to deal with trials that go along with that. So kind of a, a cool take. It'll be interesting to see such a, uh, a strong Japanese influence on Star Wars with so many Western filmmakers making Star Wars up until this point and it being such a strong blend of like Old West and Japanese styles to, thrown in space to get you what we have as the galaxy far far away yeah i mean we saw that a lot in mando season two too that in that particular combo of genres definitely yeah no so that'll be exciting to kind of see uh just the the particular themes that they're going for i saw a couple pieces of artwork and they were really 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 cool great um just there was one that was a jedi meditating and it was inside like this dark temple uh and the windows just the windows were the shape of vader's mask just in an in a subtle way that was it was uh, it was a very comic booky cover but it wasn't a comic book cover it, it was cool artwork and so seeing that and to hear like this kind of story summary just makes me uh, just seems like it'll be cool yeah uh other than that uh two other kind of story things to talk about uh obi-wan uh todd chernowski i hope i pronounced that correctly uh he did production design for uh, star trek Star Trek Picard, Pet Cemetery, and Star Trek Discovery. You'll be doing production design for Kenobi. Um, and also, the, the main thing that has been spoken about in the Star Wars world for the last couple weeks is that we are likely going to have uh, Earth Aladdin be Space Aladdin. And that would be Amina Masood as Ezra Bridger. That's really coming together own, now, is it? Wow. Uh, not confirmed, but still heavily rumored and uh, still the likely thing. He tweeted uh, a quote from Ezra Bridger. Uh, and Ooh. so that definitely leads itself a little bit further in. Uh, after a week of people buzzing about it, you tweet the quote of the character you're rumored to be portraying. Uh, he's already in the Disney family. Uh, Ezra was designed to be space Aladdin. He just played live action Aladdin. Uh, he is 30 years old. The character of Ezra at the time of the Mandalorian is 29, I think, or 30 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, he looks the part. I've seen him photoshopped on it. It's It just makes too much sense. So I fully expect this to come true. And if it does come true, and the other rumors around that are true, then we'll have uh, a lot of that show getting casted. And uh, that'll be, it'll be quite interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see Forrest and Whitaker again. Do you think we'll ever see him again doing no. Sagara Never Again? No, so he was in video game. Uh, he was in Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they did that again. And you could uh, put him in. Oh, he could be in Andor. It wouldn't be outside the realm at all for him to be in Andor. That's why I uh, ask, yeah. But I don't need to. I don't like Sagara's character. Uh, he's He's valuable as a character. He serves an important purpose as an extremist uh, of the rebellion, the rebellions, they're the good guys, but rebellions by nature aren't necessarily. And he's an example of why uh, the, the rebel alliance is different than just rebels. Right. Uh, and so he plays an important role, but he's, I'm hoping Cassian 
can play that character a little bit better because we see Cassian do some bad shit as a rebel in the start of that. So I'm hoping that you can maybe see somebody kind of develop and maybe Cassian is a little bit of an extremist at the start and then gets um, to be a little bit more of a, of a Leia follower sort of thing. Got anything else? No, that would be the news. That'd be the rumors. That would be our take on the comedic moments from Star Wars. Just a couple of happy birthdays on Tuesday, March 23rd. A happy birthday to Carrie Russell, who we're definitely never going to see in Star Wars again. <laughs> That's definitely over. I don't need to see that character ever again. No, sorry to say. And happy birthday on Friday, the 26th, to Kira Knightley. Not exactly like a directly a, a Star Wars obvious. Would but she... love to see her in Star Wars again. Yeah. Would love to see Sasha in Star Wars again. Great character. Uh, sorry, Sabe. Um, and there's like she's one of the main characters in the Padme books. The, yeah, you the love Queens. that book, yeah. And the, they're really good from a character analysis perspective. And so uh, I think that would be a, a good character to bring back. She's met Vader in the comics, so you Ooh. can make it an interesting story. Let us know your favorite laughs or funny moments or just general. Uh, comedic things that exist in Star Wars, uh, you can always email us, uh, recorder66podcast at gmail.com or tweet us at recorder66. Uh, rate and review on your preferred podcast app, whatever it might be. And until we are together again, may the force be with you.